0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for the
1: He's the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He is going to be the guy who comes back and brings justice with him. He will do that. But the greatest need of humanity, unfortunately, that Judas never saw... The greatest need was a Savior to save us from our sins. We didn't need a new government. We didn't need a new ruler. We didn't need any of that. We were dead in our sins, and we needed salvation. That's why he came.
0: When Jesus made his mission known, he wasn't what people expected. They thought the promised Messiah would be some sort of powerful warrior king. And even though he did prove to be powerful, he didn't wear armor or strike down his enemies. As you'll learn in today's message with Pastor James, Jesus came to be your Savior. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So set aside your own expectations of who you think he should be and allow him to change your life in the way that God intended. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Acts chapter one with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: defies all the stuff. Culturally, at this point in time, it's like, unfortunately, it was like men were valued here, women were down here. And especially in this region, Jewish men, Jewish women, and then if you're not Jewish, you're at the bottom. And Jesus just blew the doors off of that thing. He's like, listen, I don't care. Men, women, hey, let's do this thing. Let's get together. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ is there's neither Jew nor Gentile. Man, a woman, I mean, it's just, let's just come together as his sons and daughters and be united through prayer, focused on Jesus, in his word, and just available to be used by God. Because he wants to use us. He wants to use us. His mom's there. That's cool. She is a blessed lady, for sure. She's not going to save anybody's soul. She's just not. But she is a blessed lady, absolutely. Mary was a blessed woman. She was used as a vessel to bring Jesus into this world. That's incredible. That's incredible. But they aren't gathered around, they're not praying to her. It's not even about her. She's just, she's part of the group. She's part of the group. It's a beautiful thing. Mom's still there. Here's the miracle of this whole thing yeah, you got all these. Strange guys, and you got men and you got women, but his brothers. Now, you'll know this if you go through the Gospels, his brothers were skeptical of him. If you read back through the Gospels, you'll see that there were many instances in his life where Jesus' own brothers were like, He's crazy. He's crazy. And then he died on a cross, which they witnessed. And then he rose again three days later, which they witnessed. And they all surrendered to him, not as a brother, but as their Lord and Savior. And he transformed these guys. And now they're part of the team. It's amazing. That's a miracle. That's incredible. These guys grew up with Jesus in-house, like grew up with him. He's the older brother, a half brother. He's the older brother. And their whole life that, you know, they, they probably dealt with that thing. Maybe, you know, who knows? What's it like growing up in the household with Jesus as your brother, right? Like, I mean, you're like, I can't do anything right. You're like, that's right. Yeah, you can't. You're a sinner. He's not. Yeah, it's like, you're like, man, that would be, that's a big shadow to grow up in. So you can have a little compassion for them going through the gospels where they may be like, he's just crazy. He's crazy. But then they see what he did, and that he actually proved all the claims that he made through his death and resurrection. And now they're on the team. But they're missing one. Verse 15, they're down a man. Because they know from the gospels that it was established that there would be 12. There's going to be 12. And so while they're waiting for the promise, they're like, well, we're down a man. Um, And so their estimation, then that's, you know, they got to fill a seat. And so they're going to figure this thing out. Verse 15, it says, in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120 and said, men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled. Now, this is fisherman Peter, who just went through Bible college with Jesus. Now, he's a man of the word. He knows the Bible. He knows the Bible. He's like, remember back in the Psalms? He's like, remember, it said this, and we're here now, this prophecy, this is being fulfilled right now. This scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David, and I appreciate that as he's recognizing, like, it wasn't King David writing these things. It was the Holy Spirit through King David, through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered with us and obtained part in this ministry. Now this man purchased the field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. And we're like, thanks for that nice little picture there. And it became known to all those dwelling of Jerusalem so that the field is called, in their own language, Akel Dama, that is, field of blood. So Peter's like, hey, you guys remember in the Psalms, this is all talked about. We just saw this come to pass. Um, and, and it's, Peter, what's amazing about this, he doesn't need to usher or he doesn't need to present any new prophetic words or anything like He's like, no, let's just go back to what the Old Testament says. It said this was going to happen. And we're here today because of that. So the word is being fulfilled. And we know Judas. They know this at this point in time, the story, how Judas was the one who betrayed him for a handful of silver coins. And we also know from that story that Judas, because of the guilt that he had felt concerning that, knowing that he betrayed an innocent man, went back and threw that money into the temple. Well, the religious leaders took that money because they don't want blood money because, I mean, come on, the moral people, how could they accept blood money, right? Although you just paid Judas that money. And so they went and bought this field. This field was pretty worthless in that sense because where it's positioned and where it's located in Jerusalem, all the potters, any busted vessels that they had that would harden too fast and they couldn't shape or form them anymore, they would just throw them out into this field. Well, you can't do anything with that field. It's filled with broken vessels. So what do you do with that? Well, you turn it into a cemetery and you start burying bodies. So you got broken vessels and dead bodies in this field that has been purchased by the very money that was used to send Jesus to the cross. Now, there's a little story of like redemption even within this field. There could be a little picture there of like broken vessels, dead things, God redeeming that stuff. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. But this is the story. This is how it worked out for Judas. So he went, and with that, he hung himself. And now there's two different thoughts of, as to what happened to him. And did the branch which he hung himself, did it snap? And, and then he fell into this field and burst open There's a good chance that that happened. I won't explain the other option, but it's just gross. Um, But it's still bursting open. The point of it is, is that here you have Judas, who was the most qualified individual in one sense. Jesus ended up not being who he thought he was gonna be. So there's a danger here. There's a warning here for each and every one of us. He spent three to three and a half years with Jesus. He witnessed all the miracles. He was there the night where they had their Last Supper, and Jesus himself got down and washed his feet. He was placed at the seat of prominence for the Last Supper, sitting right there next to Jesus. That is the place of prominence. Jesus, to his enemy, who he knew Judas was going to betray him, said, Listen, I'm going to wash your feet, and I'm going to give you the best seat in the house. I'm going to give you the best seat in the house. But Jesus never ended up being what Judas thought he should be. What he thought Jesus should be is the revolutionary who goes and overthrows Rome and kicks these bad guys, these Gentiles, these dogs out of our country and establishes that kingdom of God here right now. And I wanna be his right-hand man. And Jesus said, I didn't come to do that. Not this trip. I'll do it the next trip but not this one. This one, I came to die. And Judas could not handle it. He couldn't handle it. Expectations shattered. Hopes, dreams of being like Jesus's right-hand man in this new kingdom and all that stuff, gone. Gone. And the enemy, Satan, certainly used that, certainly used that and he had a willing vessel with Judas as somebody who to betray Jesus. He was willing to do it. Please never mistake that. It wasn't as if he didn't have a choice. He had a choice, and he was willing to. And unfortunately, he never knew Jesus. He never really knew Jesus. He spent so much time. It's like, how do you spend so much time with this guy? Well, because you come into it and you show up thinking, like, I got all these preconceived notions of who he should be, but he's not that. There's a danger for us, too, of showing up on Sunday mornings and showing up and thinking, like, well, Jesus should just be like this. No, he's not like that. He is who he is. He is who he is. He doesn't need to change for you. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. The one who should change is you. And me, on our expectations. He's the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He is going to be the guy who comes back and brings justice with him. He will do that. But the greatest need of humanity, unfortunately, that Judas never saw, the greatest need was a Savior to save us from our sins. We didn't need a new government. We didn't need a new ruler. We didn't need any of that. We were dead in our sins, and we needed salvation. That's why he came. And that burst Judas's bubble, because Judas probably thought he was okay. He probably thought he was fine, a good religious guy, grew up in the right house, went to all the right schools. He probably had a really good understanding of the scriptures as well. Unfortunately, he missed the biggest thing, and that's who Jesus is and why he came. He missed it. And that guilt led him to taking his own life, which is a tragedy. It's an absolute tragedy. But the Lord already knew this was coming. He already knew this was coming. And he even recorded it thousands of years prior to this, giving everyone the heads up of like, listen, you're not going to understand this, but this is what's going to take place. This is what's going to transpire. And Peter, becoming aware of that was like, whoa, hold on. Scripture was just fulfilled. So what do we got to do? Well, Judas is gone. He he goes on to quote from the Psalms. He says, verse 20, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate, which it was, that field, it became desolate, and let no one live in it. Nobody does live in it. And let another take his office. Verse 21, therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John, that's the baptism of John the Baptist, to the day he was taken up from us, One of these must become a witness with us of what? Of his resurrection. So Peter's just throwing it out there. He's like, listen, he's like, there's 120 of us together. Let's figure out, okay, so who's been here since the beginning? Who was there? Who was present and watched Jesus get baptized by John the Baptist and saw the spirit descending from the heavens and settle down upon him? Who saw that? Who saw the resurrected Lord Jesus? Who's been here the whole time? Well, there was two. There was two that fit that criteria. Now, some people, commentators, would come along and say, what they're doing here is wrong. It's wrong. They should have waited for the Apostle Paul. Clearly, he's the best choice. Clearly. Listen, I don't dispute that. The Apostle Paul is crazy. Like he's How the Lord used that man is absolutely insane. I don't know if I can say that these guys are wrong in trying to find the 12th guy because we have no record of the Lord saying, hey, hold on. Whoa, whoa, hold on. I didn't tell you to do that. They're going off of what his word said. And their best estimation is like, listen, Judas is gone. He told us that there was going to be 12. And so, well, let's just, what's the criteria? And let's find the 12th one. And we're going to submit it to the Lord. So I don't have an issue with these guys doing this. I technically don't. If they were wrong for doing that, well, then, okay. Um, Matthias, the guy who gets picked, is he ever talked about again? No, this is the first and the last time you see his name. Okay, so, but it's also the last time you see a lot of these guys' names. So what, does that mean that they weren't used by God? That they were the wrong choice? No, they were the right choice. But there's guys on both sides that I absolutely admire and agree with and love and all that stuff. And these guys would say, nope, should have waited for Paul. And these guys are like, well, the Lord never said that they were wrong for doing this. So what's the point? I think the point is, I want to be like Peter. I want to be so acquainted with the Word of God that when a situation arises, I'm like, oh, you know what? I think the Bible talks about this. I think the Bible has something to say about this. And I'm reminded of that and I want to present that. And any decisions that we make is what? It's based on what he has said from his Word. That's, I think that's the point there. Now, they're gonna, they make this designation here. It says, verse 23, they proposed two. Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, you, O Lord, know the hearts of all, including these two men, but also their hearts as they're making this decision. Show which of these two you have chosen. So there is a caution in there as well, you know, like, okay, Lord, you got two picks. Which one do you want? Right? Like, okay, now you don't Shouldn't always do that with the Lord, okay? So maybe just be like, all right, Lord, um, there's an empty slot. Who should fill it, right? Maybe that's the right way to pray that prayer. But they set out the criteria. They're like, okay, well, who fits? It should be somebody who's been with us from the very beginning. Two of those guys qualified. So to me, logically, that makes perfect sense. Why not go with those guys? Why not? And so, and they presented that to the Lord. They're like, listen, Lord, you know our hearts. You know their hearts. Which of these two should be chosen to take part in the ministry? Verse 25, an apostleship from which Judas, by transgression, fell that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias. And he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So, this casting of lots, it's probably not technically rolling dice, okay? They weren't like shooting dice, you know, in the upper room <laughs> trying to figure out like, all right, you're seven and you're 11. Okay, no, no, they're not doing that stuff. It's like maybe had like a, two stones, right? Put them in a hat or something and, you know, and you draw out one and write their names on each stone and whichever one they draw out, well, that's gotta be the guy, okay? And they're basing that off of from Proverbs where it talks about casting lots and making a decision. We just went through the book of Jonah. The sailors on the ship with Jonah Cast lots to figure out, well, who's the reason for this storm? And all lots pointed to Jonah, okay? So do we need to cast lots when we need to make a decision? No, no, okay? We don't have a lot casting ministry here, okay? We don't need you to start one either, okay? If you come to a decision that needs to be made, praise God for the Holy Spirit who lives in you and can give you guidance and understanding and what decision to make, and what decision to make. And really, just present everything to the Lord. Even if it seems like a silly thing, just say, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What would you have me to do? And sometimes in your life, He's absolutely silent, and and that's so frustrating. You're like, no, but I've got to know, because if you're like me, a perfectionist, you can't make mistakes. Okay, it's just not an option. And if you make a mistake, your life is over. All right, like that's how bad we are. That's how messed up I am. Okay, it's just like you can't, you live in fear all the time because you don't want to make a wrong choice, right? Imagine being me as a Christian. I'm like, oh, Lord, okay. But listen, you commit everything to the Lord, everything to the Lord. And then sometimes, you know what you should do is bring in the wisdom and counsel of other people who are believers, saying, you know what? I got this decision I need to make. Can you help me and pray through with this concerning, you know, maybe what I should be doing? Submit it to the Lord. It's not wrong to seek counsel, wise counsel from godly individuals to bring them into the equation as well. Open up the Word of God. Be familiar with this book. I mean, just fall in love with this book and present everything to the Lord. I can tell you this. He's your heavenly Father. He loves you. He cares about you. Even the minutia of your life, He cares about you. Lord, where should I eat today? No, you're probably not going to answer that one, right? And you're like, you're a married couple. You understand, you're in a relationship. You understand, you're like, listen, that is the biggest point of contention in my marriage. Like, we can never figure out where we're supposed to eat. Lord, if you would just cast lots for that, do that thing, okay? I'm sure there's an app for that, right? That might save you some arguments. But um, you don't have to go so far as that. But hey, you end up in the right restaurant, having the right conversation with the server that might end up leading them to the Lord, I mean, you just never know. You just never know. The point of it is this, guys. Uh, We should always just be in such a, a relationship with the Lord. We talk about this all the time. The vertical in your life between you and God, it just needs to be continual. It's always open and it's going. You're praying to him all the time. You're seeking out wisdom from him all the time. You're welcoming in the advice and counsel of godly. I'm going to emphasize that tremendously. Godly individuals godly individuals, people who are walking with the Lord, you want their wisdom and their advice. The disciples, I mean, they're doing that. They go through this thing. They're like, okay, well, who fits within this? I love the fact that they're not like, okay, well, um, who's the smartest in this group? Who's the best looking in this group? Who's got the best connections in this group? They didn't ask any of those questions. They didn't ask any of those questions. The question that they asked in seeking who would replace Judas was this who's been with us? And not just with us. Who has followed Jesus from the beginning? That is the greatest qualifier in being used by God. The point of it all, in going back to that reference, listen, that we read, the scripture reference from 1 Corinthians, God is not, he's not looking for the biggest and the best and the, mo- you know, it's, that's not it. He's looking for individuals who are just available and willing to be used by Him, submitted to Him. You got to be known by Him. He's got to know who you are, meaning He's got to be your Lord and Savior. Start there. He's got to be your Lord and Savior. And then you, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, you got to present yourself as a living sacrifice. Get on the altar. You present yourself. Make yourself available to Him, saying, okay, here I am, all of me is all of me, God. You have all of me. Use me. I'm not holding anything back from you. Use me. That's what he's looking for. That's what he's looking for. And I can tell you this as an encouragement, as I wrap this up, you all qualify. You all qualify. Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Make that. Now, I'm not assuming that from you, but I'm telling you that's the starting point. Jesus has to be your Lord and Savior. And you got to make yourself, present yourself as available, as a vessel to be used by him. Saying, Lord, and come with that humility of mind saying, there's nothing special about me other than the fact that you made me. I'm made in your image. And man, you put some stuff in me, gifting, talent, and all that stuff. I just want to give it back to you. And I just want to be used by you. And that's it. That's it. So Lord, where do you want to use me? how do you want to use me? That begins an exciting journey that unfortunately I can't answer for you. I can't. I don't know how to tell you that. I know what that means for me. But see, because that's the relationship between me and the Lord, you have a relationship between you and the Lord. And so you need to consult with him saying, okay, Lord, where is it that you want to use me? How have you gifted me? What are you passionate about? What is that thing that you're like, man, I love this? I love doing this. Sometimes that's a great indication that he's put that in you so that you would use it for his glory. There's plenty of opportunities, whether it's here at Calvary Galveston. I'm going to tell you this right now. Even if you don't go to church here, there are plenty of opportunities in the church, capital C Church, for believers to step up and be used by God. Now, I'm going to be selfish and say, I want you to be here and I want you to be used here. However, I understand that sometimes that doesn't work. It doesn't matter to me. When I was a youth pastor, I saw kids come and go all the time. My only thing with those guys is this, never take your eyes off of Jesus. I don't care if you go to some other youth group, never stop following Jesus and never stop presenting yourself as being available to him. Whether you're with me or someone else, I don't care. What matters the most is the kingdom of God. That's what matters the most. There's a lot of people that need rescuing from eternal destruction, hell. That's why we're here, to glorify him, to be on mission for him. So let's just go for it. Sometimes that's done through serving little kids, teaching little kids, whether they're little guys in there or little guys up there. Serving as an usher, it doesn't, it's the heart behind it and it's the availability and all that.
2: Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red
0: You've been listening to another edition of Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're so glad that you joined us as we learned about the early church in the book of Acts together. What an incredibly powerful book of God's faithfulness. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more teachings from Pastor James, visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the Teachings tab. While you're there, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel, Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you visit. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. for worship and Bible study. Our atmosphere is pretty relaxed, so we invite you to come just as you are. For directions and to learn more about us, just visit breadforthebroken.com. We would also love to connect with you. Just drop us a note in the contact form to let us know if you've been blessed by this ministry. Would you also prayerfully consider partnering with us in this ministry? Support from people like you allows us to share the gospel in unique and amazing ways. If you'd like to donate, visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the Donations tab. Any and all donations are welcome and greatly appreciated. We thank you in advance for your generosity in partnering with what God is doing. Our website one more time is breadforthebroken.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but be sure to tune in again next time as Pastor James teaches more from the book of Acts right here on Bread for the Broken.